Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. I am no bird, and no net ensnares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. Welcome to Liminal, Gender and Sexuality, the 25th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century author Charlotte Bronte. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. What made you laugh this time? <laughs> How you said courtesy. Oh. Courtesy. Courtesy. Oh, well. We okay. have some new patrons. Ooh. Yep. Do you need to read? Yeah, we have some new patrons this month. They awesome. are Henry Wodehouse. Leah Lynn, Stefan, and UG, or alternately, Ugh. <laughs> Not sure how you wanted me to pronounce that one, so you get both options. And what do we say? Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you to all our patrons, including our kittens, whose names don't get read. We love you, kittens. We do still love you. And then we have a commercial. We do. Oh, it's a commercial time. It's a commercial, it's a commercial time. time. Yay! This one's not like last month's. Right. Last month's was crazy and stupid, and that's because <laughs> oh, it was so Halloween. <laughs> but Halloween. this one is more professional, so okay. prepare yourselves. Prepare your ears for Cars Radio Voice. As we'll be discussing later, gender sometimes includes a performative element, especially what you wear. We at Three Pagans and a Cat are happy to provide you with an option to explore performative gender in the form of the Grand Rapids Kimono Club, hosted by our tiger, Akaneko. While in the modern period, kimono is almost exclusively worn by women and only in formal circumstances, historically, kimono was worn by men and women for all manner of purposes. Kimono wearing includes an intrinsic set of rules and styles which could advertise the wearer's social position, age, gender, marital status, personality, and intended activity. If you're in the Grand Rapids area, check out the Grand Rapids Kimono Club on Facebook. Owning a kimono is not a required thing for admission to the group, and they have a sushi night meetup planned for November 30th, including a raffle giving away a kimono package, so don't delay. Thank you, Car. We might all be a little off today because yesterday was the Psychic Fair at Arts and Craft. Yes. And it was intense and wonderful. It was super busy. Yep. Gwyn and I both gave like six readings apiece. So I'm a little bit fried. Yeah, six readings in five hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little fried. I'm, I have, I guess, a reading hangover, a divination hangover. Yeah. And so, I just didn't sleep all last night. Yeah, and Car slept poorly. So we're going to do our best. This is an episode that's been requested a couple of times for us to talk about. I think at least in part because I am non-binary and I'm not, like, subtle about it. Right. So we've been asked a couple of times to talk about, like, how to deal with sort of heteronormativity and trans exclusion and stuff like that in pagan circles and how right. those how gender and sexuality sort of intersect with spirituality. And I'm kind of the odd person out on this one. Yes, Carr is a heterosexual cis man. Right. Yes, he is. And I'm the only one who doesn't fall into any other not, category. Not a, he's not even a little bit queer. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very interesting conversation for me, but I've done a ton of research. Yeah, Carr's really dug into the research on this one. He's been super supportive of me uh, as a non-binary person and as pansexual person. When I was younger, I used to worry a lot about how my parents would react to my to my sexuality, my gender identity. And by the time I finally like worked up the courage to come out, it wasn't an issue. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, like they were totally like, okay. 
We love you. <laughs> I believe my statement was, cool, you won't come home pregnant. And yes, that yeah. was your statement. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was your precise statement. That was when I was in high school and I was like, I'm probably a lesbian, right? Because my sexuality and my gender identity, for that matter, have been a long sequence of learning that things exist. <laughs> so, like, I learned that you could be a lesbian. And since I had crushes on girls, I figured... Probably that's me. And then later I learned that you could be bisexual and have an interest in both genders. And I was like, that seems more accurate. And then later I learned that you didn't have to be a boy or a girl at all. And I was like, perfect. And after that I learned that there was a word specific to not giving a fuck about the gender of your partner, which is pansexual. And I was like, that's even more accurate. Which is why a lot of people will tell you that, like, oh, you're going through a phase. Yeah, you probably are. It's probably because you haven't learned what the word is for the actual thing you are yet. <laughs> and it's all good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. Yep. You're, That's how you discover who you are. Exactly. Yeah. It's This is a process, not like an end state. No, right. exactly. exactly. And I think, I think people who are pressured to say, I am this or I am mm-hmm. that, that's ridiculous. You learn as you go through experiences. And so one in one period of your life, you may say, okay, this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is how I identify sexually. And then life happens. Yep. And all of a sudden you're like, oh. And hang on. Hang on. Maybe maybe I'm this instead mm-hmm. or in addition to. And that's all fine. And I think we need to get to a place where we accept that it's all fine. Yeah. At this point in sort of society... Labels are valuable because they allow you to find people who are like you. Right. Who have similar thoughts and outlook, experiences. experiences. Yeah. yeah. People they, you can relate to. They help you find your tribe. Yeah. Right. But hopefully the dream is that sometime eventually we come to a stage where we don't need labels because everyone's just like, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> that, that sounds nice for I'm you. Bisexual. I'm glad for okay, you. Good. Okay. I guess we should start with gender and sort of work our way to sexuality, although these things tend to end up sort of entwined. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that I find in paganism, especially paganism that has evolved out of Wicca, is that there's a strong focus on binaries and polarities and balance. Mm -hmm. Having two diametrically opposed end states and variations between those states, and that's it. Right. So, like, you have the god and the goddess, you have winter and summer, you have the sun and the moon, and people think of these things as being, like, totally isolated entities that sort of cycle around each other. Right. I get where that thinking comes from, but it does not encompass, like, the full scope of human experience. Exactly. So there are so many shades of gray. Right. And things in between. And, like, sometimes not even on that spectrum. So, like, mm-hmm. between black and white, you have black, white, and the various gradients, right? Mm-hmm. But black and white aren't the only things that exist. There are also colors, like red and green and purple. Purple. And and, and pink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, in those, you have different saturations. So yep. you get light red and dark red and bright red and, you know, values and tints. And the, uh, this is coming and from my... And yeah, we're... Yeah. Aubergine. <laughs> Aubergine. <laughs> Here's my art background coming in. But you can't think of these things as 
happening on one axis because they actually happen on multiple intersecting axes. Mm -hmm. Which would explain the rainbow being the... Yeah, the sort of symbol symbol of of queerdom. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because you're not looking at this or that. You're looking at a whole Whole, range. A whole range, a whole spectrum of individuality Mm -hmm. and So we have just explained the rainbow for people who are like, why the fuck is it a rainbow? Why is it a rainbow? There we go. Enjoy. <laughs> it was not to say fuck you to the church. I'm just, I'm sorry it wasn't. Is that a thing? It is oh, is yeah. that a thing that people believe? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Wow, it no. Is. No, it's, a, it's got nothing to there, do with There that. may be an element of that for some people where they're like, ha we got rainbows now. I, th- I, I think it has more to do with what... We you stole just, your covenant, but yeah. no, I don't think that's probably... I don't think that's the main <laughs> issue. I really do think it has to do with... There is such a large spectrum mm-hmm. of possibilities. So yeah. much variation. So much variation in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I do have two quotes that I'd like to read that I actually had people send me. Okay. Oh. Read your so, quotes, and then um, we'll talk about them. Yeah, probably. because I've done, I did a ton of research for this episode, yeah. and three people popped out as being written a lot about this. Mm-hmm. And so I actually reached out to them and said, "Hey, we're doing this podcast about this topic. Would you like to send me something that I can read right. about what you had to say?" So here are the two that got back to me. The other one, who knows, right. may show up while we're recording. <laughs> the first one is from Yvonne Arborough. Who said, paganism in general is not homophobic, but it can be heterocentric, centered around exclusively a heterosexual symbolism. Many pagans, especially most Wiccans, focus their devotion on God and goddess and often view them as a heterosexual couple and insist on heterocentric interpretations of magical concepts like polarity and fertility. This can be very excluding for LGBTQI people. Calls for a more inclusive version of Wicca mine included, because she has her own, Mm -hmm. has caused considerable controversy in some quarters. I have explored the development of greater views of gender and sexuality in paganism, and she's actually written a book about it. This is how I found her. It's called All Acts of Love and Pleasure, Inclusive Wicca. Nice. I want to read that. Yeah. Which we will provide, actually, this entire quote. With the links that are in there, there's a couple. Yeah. There's a link to a video that she's done on gender and sexuality in Wicca, with two parts to an article that she's okay. written, and also the link to the, the book. The link to the book. Okay, that'll be that'll be up in our blog section. Yep. Did you want to comment on that one at all? No, I mean that's very like true. Yeah, yeah. And accurate. Yeah. And I hope that she succeeds. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then this other one comes from Michelle Mueller, who is a PhD, Department of Religious Studies at Santa Clara University in California, and is also an adjunct professor at... Cherry Hill? Cherry Hill Seminary, thank you, which is the only pagan seminary in the United States that I know of. Nice. Um, So you can actually get a doctorate in paganism or something. (laughs) um, And so here's what she had to say. Over the last decade, pagans have done great work questioning binary language and ideology in our traditions, experimenting with new language and rituals and developing new traditions that respond to the community's most pressing needs. I am, however, concerned with what I perceive as a trending quickness to dismiss individuals as trans-excluding radical feminists, or TERFs, particularly when this dismissal is not accompanied by a sufficient effort to investigate the truth of the accusations. There are consequences of sex and gender. There are consequences of race, ethnicity, nationality, and socioeconomic classes. What I hope for our pagan community is continuous reflection on intersectionality and the many and varied consequences of sex and gender and every other factor of identity and presentation. 
This one I have some comments on. <laughs> I have some comments as well. Because okay. it's apropos of the conversation I had today. I'm going to work real hard to be calm. Yeah, and there's a reason why I read this one to you yesterday. Yep. <laughs> I've had some time to think about this one. Okay. First, we're going to talk about what trans-exclusionary radical feminism is. It's exactly what it says on the fucking tin. If your feminism excludes trans women, you are a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Or whether <laughs> Whether you identify yourself that way or not. Right. You don't have to identify yourself that way. If you exhibit those behaviors, you are one. And I think in the day and age which we live now, mm -hmm. that the innocent until proven guilty works okay in our court system, but should not be for all of the Me Too stuff that goes yeah. on, mm -hmm. and, and quite honestly, TERFs too. Like, in my opinion, mm -hmm. this is my opinion, this is Carr's opinion only, Right. Mm -hmm. it's up to you to prove that you're not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not up to me to make that, that distinction. If somebody says you are, I'm automatically going to assume you are, and you're going to have to prove to me that you're not. Yeah. Okay. Now, si siding with the victim is right. my default as well. Yes. As, very much. As do I. I automatically side with the victim until, as you say, the, the person mm -hmm. who's being accused the of... The if, there is, if there is compelling evidence that, that this was a false accusation, right. fine. Exactly. That's unlikely to be the case. Right. Interestingly, today, because every Sunday I do readings at Arts and Craft. Yep. And so I was there today, and it was very slow and quiet because we had the psychic fair yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to sit and chat with a lesbian couple that had come in to do some shopping. Mm -hmm. They live quite a distance away, so they hung around for like several hours. Right, because if you're going to drive that far. If you're going to drive that yeah. far, right. you're going to look around, you're going to take your time, you're going to sit and chat with the people who yeah. are there. You right. are. <laughs> yeah. We got to talking about paganism and gender because I, you know, said, hey, I, this is what we're doing on our podcast tonight. Y'all want to weigh in? Do you have an opinion? Right. And I found out that they had at one point in their lives been Dianic pagan. Okay. Wiccans. They had been in a, a coven uh, or a circle that was trans-exclusionary. Trans now, it was interesting because one of them was incredibly, I would say she was a little defensive because I think there was a part of her, she's been really wounded at some point in her life. And so she explained to me why that could happen, why they're even potentially herself, mm -hmm. um, why she would feel unsafe having someone who was born a man or a male in a, what should be a women's exclusion only uh, safe space. group, a safe space. So I understand, you know, I heard that from her point of view. And then her partner was talking about the fact that she was expounding on that is that because these feminists that started the Dianic tradition was in the 80s when it was begun and it really was at least according to what she was relating it really was a reaction against really harsh patriarchal control and so the idea behind this tradition and this women only goddess only tradition right is that it is a safe space for women to come to be themselves, to worship goddess without any male influence whatsoever. Her perspective was, I don't care if they were born as a man. If they're a woman, they're a woman. Mm -hmm. Come on in. Right. And so they're still really struggling with, and she said, I believe that there are dianic circles out there that if there was a trans woman who came along and said, I would like to be part of your circle, that that trans woman would be welcomed. But there are those dianic circles that are just 
just like, no, if you were born a man, I don't care if you're a woman now. I don't care if you had the surgery. Here's the thing. You know. Here's, so here's it, the thing. It's a, it's a, Are Dianic Wiccans going to exclude women who have had hysterectomies? Well, that's a good question. Are yeah. they going to exclude... Okay, wow. I've got okay. so much rage. Just, yeah, okay. And I want to say, I am not taking one side or the other. I personally do not agree with excluding anyone from any tradition based on whether they're a man, a woman, blah, blah. I don't agree with excluding people, but I do want to at least listen to the women. Sure. Here's here's my thing. Hey, I need a safe space. Okay, here's my thing. Women have been fucking listened to. All right? Mm -hmm. Women have safe spaces. You know who doesn't have a safe space? Trans Trans people. Mm-hmm. Trans women in particular, trans women of color, have no safe spaces, right. are, have excruciatingly high rates of suicide mm-hmm. and murder mm-hmm. and sexual assault. They are the most victimized class in our society. Agreed. And I need you to take a breath. <sighs> yes. <laughs> and, that, and when we're in this discussion, and I hope I'm relating the discussion that these, I had with these ladies, because it was a very, very open and good discussion. Some of it, you know, some of what one of them had to say I agreed with. Some, the other, and the one who was talking about the fact that, you know, she had been hurt mm-hmm. and things like that. She has come such a long way. And is so, she is very open now. She was talking about back in the 80s when she mm-hmm. was right. a younger woman. She probably would have considered herself exclusionary right. as far as, but now, but today she's not. She's not even a Dianic Wiccan anymore. Let's but, also discuss, there's another topic here sort of buried in here that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's called gender essentialism. Gender essentialism is the belief that your gender is defined by your sexual characteristics and that there are two sexes you can be. Obviously, I disagree with gender essentialism because I'm a non-binary person and there is no non-binary sex characteristic. Right. Right. But aside from that, the science under gender essentialism, which requires there to be a male sex and a female sex, is incorrect because there are... Okay, so the commonly quoted statistic is 1 in 2,000, but the actual numbers are unknown because doctors can't agree on what qualifies you. 1 in 2,000 people is born with what is called an intersex condition. Right. Right. Meaning that they have some of the sexual characteristics of a man and some of the sexual characteristics of a woman. And you could be intersex and never know that you're intersex because it's, it has to do with the internal composition of your body or has to do with your chromosomal composition right. and or it has to do with your hormonal composition. I watched a program about this actually mm-hmm. and quite often when you have, a, you have an infant, and I don't know if it happens so much anymore, but like back you mm-hmm. know, 20, 30 years ago, the parents would assign or the doctors would assign mm-hmm. a gender and quite often it yeah, seems they like would, it was yeah. the wrong one, you know? And these these children, these people would grow up in turmoil because they were physically a man, but... Or a woman. Or, you know, but I'm just <clears throat> thinking of one example. Yeah. They were physically a man, but they felt like a woman. They identified as a woman and they found out they actually had been born with female traits. Mm-hmm. They had just, an intersex condition. They had it, but yeah. they had an intersex condition, but they were chosen mm-hmm. to be male because that seemed, quote unquote, to be more dominant uh-huh. at the time. Yeah. So even the idea that you can be born as exclusively male or female in terms of your sex characteristics is inaccurate yeah. medically. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I really, honestly, I think we need to get past the point that we identify people as male or female or whatever based on their outer... Right, their primary sex characteristics. Primary sex characteristics. I really do think it does come down to who they are as a person, how their gender is identified by who they are and how they relate to the world. Here's something that has frustrated me for a long time about this conversation, because people are always like, well, what am I supposed to do? If I look at someone, I should be able to just know what gender they are. Do you know, you don't look at someone and just know what their name is. Mm-hmm. Right. If you wanted to find out, it would be as easy as saying, hi, my name is Blah, please use these pronouns. What are your name and pronouns? Literally, you just add that like, fragment of a mm-hmm. sentence, and it stops becoming something you assume about the people mm-hmm. around you and, and becomes an informed. an informed piece of information. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what this comes down to is there's 21,000 chromosomes in the human body. Mm-hmm. Right? 850 of them mm-hmm. make up sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. According to Me- current medical current science, medical yeah. science yeah. there is no way that that can be accurate. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's no way out of 21,000 that 850 make up what we are. Mm-hmm. No, 21,000 of it, it makes up what we are. Yep. And that's, we need to look at the whole spectrum, yeah. not and, two. And for, and for that matter, that's just your bodily composition. Exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to get past focusing on the bodily composition and focus on the person as an individual. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying though is like, like even, even in terms even of bodily in the composition, terms of the yeah. bodily composition, yeah, it's too specific. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah. and people are always like XX and XY, but there are 850 yeah. chromosomes and involved. With it, right? right. Yeah, and we need and let's bring it back to paganism mm-hmm. because that's the point of the show <laughs> or the episode. We, I believe, in the pagan community, should be the most open. Right. We the most accepting. Paganism in general really values inclusion. Yes. It it should. <laughs> uh, or at least it at least it claims it to it, right. It, it claims to really value think, inclusion. On a on a general level, I think you do find that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think the the pagan community in general is more inclusive oh, yeah, than other major religions. Right. But that yes. doesn't mean we don't have work to do. Exactly. As you could tell by the anger that was expressed <laughs> earlier over the situation with the territorial kind of... Yeah, the, the space claiming. The space claiming that can go on within certain Trans exclusion enrages yeah. me. So here's the thing. I often see in paganism a lot of sort of like self-congratulatory attitudes about our inclusiveness about our high population of lgbt Mm -hmm. membership and i get it especially since many of us came from more dogmatic Mm -hmm. more restrictive religions i get it i get wanting to celebrate that and like continue to celebrate that but don't let the successes that we have had overshadow like the, work the we still need to do. yeah the, the very necessary work that still yeah. has to go on. We as a community, like we grew up in a heteronormative, trans exclusionary society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will always have to do work on that. Yep. Exactly, exactly. I think it's important also to remember, at least as far as like Wicca is concerned, mm-hmm. that it comes from a history that yeah, includes there's... Crowley and Gardner, written in a time when pre-suffrage that was pre-suffragette for Crowley. He wrote these tenets that were then borrowed very heavily by Gardner when he created Wicca. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was very gendered. There was male, there was female. It was Gardner brought a lot of sexuality into mm-hmm. it. We have to remember 
over those roots and then go, okay, it doesn't Now what? Now what? We know where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. but we are now in the 21st century, people. I get that it's tradition, but we can move and adjust and change as culture changes. Part of paganism, I think, is not being beholden to tradition and dogma. Right. Exactly. Isn't that kind of the point? We don't have a book. Right. And then (laughs) Sunari, who is one of our hunters who's listening online right now on the Discord server, which, by the way, all of you all can listen to our next yeah, podcast. Yeah, on our next podcast where December we'll be doing Yule. Uh, We're going to open up the Discord so yep, everyone can it's listen. It's our gift to you. Sunari said, you can just play it safe and use gender-neutral pronouns for everyone, which they did while working in retail, so not to offend anyone. Oh, that's, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's also a, an option. Here, that's a great p- option. I encounter a lot of people who are like, they isn't a singular person pronoun. It's a plural pronoun. But... Everyone on Earth uses singular they when they don't mm-hmm. know for sure the gender of the person they're talking about. That's usually, true. usually when it's a person who's not in the room or who they've never met. Everyone, if they find a phone on the floor, picks it up and says, gosh, I hope they remember to come back for their phone. They're not saying, gosh, I hope a group comes back and remembers right. to look for this phone. They're saying, gosh, I hope the person of indeterminate gender who left this phone here comes back for it. That's right. right. And the reason it's they is because it could be either or. Right. Or in my case, <laughs> or, neither. Or in my case, <laughs> yeah. neither. Yeah, exactly. You know what we need to do? Quiet. It's time for reviews. <laughs> is it really? It is probably oh time gosh, for that, yeah. yeah. Okay, well... I'll be honest with you folks, we were like, uh, what are we going to review? What are we reviewing for this? we didn't do a book, and we've got lots of stuff, and so we were like, hmm. So we decided, or rather, I just took when the decided. initiative, and said we would talk about Sabat Box. Yeah, yeah, this is a service we've had a couple of so far. We got yep. a Samhain box, we got a... We, it was Maven, Maven and then Samhain, okay. the two boxes that we received. Yep. And what it is, is the subscription services are really popular right mm-hmm. now. And so it's a subscription service for pagans, and it centers around the, the Sabbats. You pay, you know, I think they're changing it up a little, and so there will be different prices for different sizes of And they of are boxes. currently on hiatus yeah. while yeah, they until, restructure. Until, yeah. I believe, in bulk. Yeah. Yeah. But what they had been doing is you would pay a particular price, somewhere around $40. And $45. Yeah, $45. And then you would receive a box. Full of stuff. Full of stuff for yep. the Sabbat. <laughs> so this year's Maven box was moon. Yeah, it was moon oriented. It was moon oriented. So in the box, they had a book called Moon Spells. They had a bath salts, ritual salts mm-hmm. type of thing that you could use. They had candles that they sent along with a candle holder for yeah. each of the phases. There was incense and there was an oil blend. There was. Yeah. There was a card explaining the different things. I think and there was a crystal. There was a crystal, yeah. exactly. And then for Selwyn, they sent a scrying box, mm-hmm. right. which included things like incense, candle, stone, candle holder. candles, black candles specifically, a scrying mirror, yep. a flying ointment, yep. that kind of thing. I do remember that the Selwyn box had a piece of black tourmaline with which yes. I love very much. Yeah, absolutely. I think each box is very carefully crafted, mm-hmm. and then it's from various vendors. And so you can. Yeah, and then it lists the vendors. It lists yep. the vendors, and then you can go and check out those vendors by their other wares. Mm-hmm. And then Sabat Box, if you. Because it's really hard actually to get onto the, yeah, subscription. On the list. Yeah. There's a huge list. I was actually, a waiting list. I was on it for over a year, and Carr managed to get on it like within a month or two. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I got have skills. Uh, mad skills. I guess you do. 
they're very thoughtfully put together. The price that you pay for the what you get, the the Way value. Up, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The value of the box is prob is just huge. The yeah. presentation is also really nice on these boxes. Yeah, like they, they are very. very satisfying to open mm-hmm. and pleasing to look at. Right. And for those people who are in the closet, they do come in just a brown Yeah, and just box. a brown box. Just a brown box. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing to like let people know what it is. It's just something you got from UPS. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're very discreet and it's wonderful. And so you get something for each sabat. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's really, really cool. So Except for Yule this year. Yeah, not Except Yule this year because they're going on hiatus, right. which is That's a disappointment true. to me. But we will get the in-bulk box. Yeah. yeah. I did want to say, if you want to check out Sabat Box, go to sabatbox.com. The Yuling that we're doing picked up steam. You yeah. basically have... Four more days Four from days, the time people. this episode releases. November 30th is the final day yep. that you can submit your information to participate in the Euling. And we're at about 40 people, so mm-hmm. get in now and get locked in before this is over. If you want to be a part of it, you need to email me, car, C-A-R, at three, the number three, pagansandacat.com, and include your mundane name, your address, and the path that you're on, and we will send that to somebody else that's yeah, on the list. Yeah, we'll pair you up with somebody. And please keep and it to ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, keep $10. it to ten dollars or less. And uh, the homemade it better. Yeah, the names uh, for those pairs will go out on December first. Mm-hmm. Yep, to give everybody ample time to prepare. That's it for reviews. That was a good one. Thanks. <laughs> Very nice. Something I thought we could talk about during this as well is gendered ritual components. Okay. Because not only are there, like, gender-specific circles and covens and things, which... Mm-hmm. Okay, backing up a little. I can understand having a gender-specific coven. I can understand wanting your coven to be only women or only men. But if you're going to do that, you cannot, in my view, exclude trans women and trans men. Agreed. Correct, yep. Because they're women and men. Right. That's right. Yep. Let them in. I don't think that there are enough non-binary people for there to be a non-binary exclusive circle, but that's fine. There are mixed circles for us. Right. (laughs) But so I wanted to also talk about gendered components and ritual because it's a thing that I run up on all the damn time. I was going to bring that up because Ode and I went to a a couple of rituals. Uh Yeah, this has happened a few times. This has happened a few times. And the first time I think that you went to a ritual with me, it turned out to be, and we were not aware of this, it turned out to be a gendered ritual in in that a man was representing the god, a woman was representing the goddess, and at one point in the ritual, and I think we may have even talked about this in another we episode. We did, yeah, we did. We mentioned um, it. At one point in the ritual, the man went to all the women. Mm-hmm. And, and anointed the, them. And anointed them. And the woman went to all the men. And anointed them. And anointed them. And it was supposed to, I guess, symbolically represent the the exchange of those energies from feminine right, to masculine. Right, exactly. But I was felt- just I was just spontaneously gendered. Yeah, so <laughs> because very- someone just looked at me and was like, "Oh, that's a woman." Nobody asked. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we did. And Ode said to me later, in in fact, during the ritual, Ode was like, what's... I was like, what's going on? Why are they only picking specific people? It did not occur to me that this was... Like, I didn't pick up the pattern. I'll be honest with you. It took me a moment to parse what was going on. I didn't... It wasn't until after the ritual when I was asking Gwen that I realized what happened. Yes, exactly. And so we realized... Ode had not asked before the ritual began, mm-hmm. is this a gendered or is it non-gendered yeah. for a ritual? And honestly, as a woman, I would have liked it if both the representatives of the god and the goddess had anointed everybody. Right. 
instead of one or the other. I That's me. And then we went to a ritual that was completely gender neutral. Yeah, there was just no gendered component. And, I, and it seemed to me like you really enjoyed yeah, it was, that Yeah, I enjoyed one. that a lot. I was more comfortable with it because I didn't have to have like a... I, I got, I've gotten into the habit now of before I attend a, a public ritual. And you did for this one. Yeah, of going to the ritual leader and asking like, is there a gendered component to this ritual? And if so, I need you to break the secrets and tell me what it is so that I can figure out if and how I can participate. Right, exactly. Because there are, like, several layers here. Like, on the one hand, I would like not to be just gendered by someone in the middle of doing magic. Right. Like, that's uncomfortable for me. The other part is that if your magic actually needs this gender element to work, I should not be in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I don't want to break it. Right. For you. <laughs> right. So it really does come down to, uh, I guess, individual responsibility, mm-hmm. either of the participant going up to the person and saying, hey, or the the leaders right. going, hey, this is a Here's gendered what's or this is not a gendered. And it would be much easier if ritual leaders would take on that responsibility. And I agree. <laughs> I think that's something that we need to work up to. Mm-hmm. I think, and now I'm not in a coven, so, you right, know. It's, yeah, we're it's, all solitary. We're here. all solitary. We only ever participate in public rituals. Exactly. But it would really be great if people who are leading public rituals yeah. would be willing to think yeah. about this a little bit more and, and make a general announcement so people know yeah, just what at they're the walking start, into. Just at the beginning, like, just let people know, hey, there's going to be a gendered component. It's going to look like this. And then let me know, like, if it's going to matter mm-hmm. to you or to me. Or, like, do I need to pick a gender? Can I just opt out of this section? Right. I think as pagans, we Can I, have... Do, should I participate in both? <laughs> I think as pagans, we have got to get out of this idea of focusing that the only people participating in our, our circles and religion and rituals, etc., are male or female, or male and female, whatever. Right. They gotta They gotta put in there that it could be anybody. Yeah. And I, I assume... That trans people run into this situation, too, where, like, someone who doesn't really understand mm-hmm. what being transgender means mm-hmm. will try to assign a trans person to a, like, a trans woman to a masculine mm-hmm. position in a ritual. Mm-hmm. Or a trans man to a feminine position exactly. in a ritual. I have to assume that that happens. Because I don't have that experience because I am non-binary, not trans. Because but transgender people can be in various stages of their of transition. transition. Yep. yep. So you may not be able to tell yeah, just at a glance. just at a glance. So we have to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. There could be transgendered people attending the event. Right. I think that the only way really for us to fix this Mm -hmm. are name tags. With pronouns on them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Not hello, my name is, but hello, address me as. Yeah, convocation did that. And then please use pronoun. Pronoun. Mm -hmm. And you can write it in. I think that's the way that we can fix this fairly easily without it being awkward Mm -hmm. for either. Right, for everyone involved. So, leaders, if you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) get a copy of these, start making these name tags. It's, you know, it's worth it to make people comfortable and Mm -hmm. to be inclusive. Yeah. Which is what we want to be anyway. And that's the, here's another element. Even in these gendered rituals, even if you do know the pronoun and gender of the person in question, Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily know their sexuality. So, like, sometimes these gendered rituals are gendered because they have a heteronormative mm-hmm. yeah, a lot element. Of them have a heteronormative Where, like, a man and a woman, so assigned, need to interact in a specific way to mm-hmm. represent a heterocentric activity, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually sex. If you assign all the male participants in a ritual 
to this role, you can't know if this person is heterosexual mm-hmm. or homosexual right. or asexual. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, springing on them in the middle of a ritual a symbolic sexual activity that is maybe not in conformity with their sexual identity is not cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just think communication and being up front from the beginning, from the start, yeah. is going to... It's going to alleviate a lot of awkward situations for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think gendered name tags is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. For a start, for sure. Gendered name tags and being upfront from the beginning. You don't have to go into the ritual, you know, if you are afraid it's going to ruin the ritual for people. But just give a basic... This is what's kind of going on. It's Mm -hmm. heteronormative. Yeah, actually, if you could just preface rituals with whether or not it is gendered, whether or not those gender assignments matter, and whether or not there are there is sexual symbolism. Or I think if it's we non-gendered just, and Exactly. Know, right. Completely open. Completely yeah. Exactly. I think don't discard the whether or not there's sexual symbolism element because there are people, mm-hmm. particularly asexual people, who will just be uncomfortable with that and won't want exactly. to participate. Right. Exactly. Tell them ahead of time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a Yeah, that's a, a starting exa- place. Ex- that's a really good It's a great starting place. Yeah, like first step in solving a lot of these problems Mm -hmm. and you know as much as i personally hate name tags right like it but if it solves the problem it solves solves the problem problem. i am fully on board with Mm -hmm. everyone so you can actually find those fairly easily if you just google Mm -hmm. gendered name tags yeah they pop up and you can just print them off yeah print them off and do it that's right because even and don't ever even if you know someone very well, like, I don't go up to people, I, this is probably a surprise if you listen to the podcast, but I don't go up to everyone I meet and be like, hi, I'm non-binary. <laughs> Use whatever pronoun you want. So there are lots of people who know me personally who don't know what my preferred pronouns are. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or what my sexual orientation is, because it's, like, not a thing you generally talk about on a first meeting with someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it should be. I've argued before, earlier today, that it should be. (laughs) But, like, it's it's not. So, like, just because someone's in your coven doesn't necessarily mean you actually know what their Mm -hmm. preferred pronouns are. All you know is the pronouns you've been using for them. Mm -hmm. The fact that they haven't argued with you doesn't necessarily even mean that that's their preferred pronoun. Yep. Guess what? What? Oats! Stone! Corner! That came out of nowhere. It did. Well, there's not really... (laughs) There's not really good segues for these into our usual topics. No, that's true. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about hawk's eye, which is sometimes better known as blue tiger's eye, although technically speaking, they are very close to being the same stone. So hawk's eye is a pseudomorph of macrocrystalline quartz, which is true of a lot of things, honestly. Many, many gemstones that we think of as individual stones are actually variants of quartz. Hawkeye is created when crocodilite, which is a form of asbestos, which has like a, like a thin blue fibrous formation, transforms over very long periods of time because quartz is embedded between the mineral fibers and gradually overtakes the mineral and transforms it into hawkeye. So... Just for my comfort level. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even if that broke open, we no, probably wouldn't not, have any asbestos No, it is issues. not dangerous. Okay. No, there's yeah, no gotcha. there's no danger of asbestos. But yeah, so hawk's eye and tiger's eye, the main difference between them is that hawk's eye has less iron content. Oh, so it resolves as a blue-gray color 
Tiger's Eye, which has more iron in it, resolves as an orange to brown color because of the presence of the iron. Gotcha. Makes sense. The sort of defining characteristic of both Hawk's and Tiger's Eye is chatoyancy, also known as a cat's eye effect. So chatoyancy (laughs) is, if you've ever seen Tiger's Eye, you know exactly what it is. It's a luminous streak of reflected light that you can see moving across the stone as you turn it in light. And it is always perpendicular to the fibers of the stone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. never knew that. So it sort of looks like silk. Like if you have very fine silk and you turn it in the light, you can see the light moving over over the silk. It looks like that. Hawk's eye is less protective or defensive than tiger's eye. Tiger's eye is typically used for like protective purposes to protect from the evil eye, quote unquote. Hawk's eye has less of that. It has a much calmer and more soothing tone than tiger's eye. It's also very good for focus, clarity, intuition, and visualizing. Hawk's eye also, in my experience, has sort of unflinching honesty quality. Mm-hmm. It's very disinterested in manipulation or in even nuance. There is no like lying by omission when you're dealing with a hawk's eye, and there is no little white lies. With uh, hawk's eye, it is a, here's the thing, mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't like it kind of stone. <laughs> and sometimes, let's face it, we need that. Sometimes we need that. The other thing about hawk's eye, and this is one of those correspondences that, like, it's not on a list, it's just something I feel because of my interaction with the stone and my knowledge of its chemical composition, <laughs> um, is that it's a very slow transformative stone. So I bring it up here because the way tiger's eye and hawk's eye is created very slowly over time by filling in the gaps of a thing reminds me of transition. It makes me think of the way you gradually, a piece at a time, build your relationship with your body and with those outside you and with your gender and with your personal identity into a whole complete person who is new and different than the original mineral. Gotcha. So that's why it's included here today. And that's it for Odes Stone Corner! Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today, especially since Carr is not queer in any way, is sometimes... I'm sorry? No, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, most of the time I'm like, I don't really fit in this family. Like, oh, I'm a part of this family. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't... <sighs> I mean, you're pagan. Well, that's true. There is that. <laughs> We've yeah. all got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a lot of the same political beliefs. That's true. Yes. <laughs> and inclusiveness includes, you know... Here's why I want to talk about this. Being inclusive requires also including the majority. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like... Straight cis men are still white, welcome, even. <laughs> white even. Yeah, Carr has the the privilege trifecta. Yes, um, are still included in the community, like, and mm-hmm. should still be valued. But in some, I've noticed this in some pagan groups, there is sort of a devaluation of masculinity, especially of straight masculinity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought maybe we could talk about that some. It, well, you see it less in communities like Druidry and Heathenry, which tend to have slightly more normative gender and sexuality roles and, mm-hmm. and values, but especially in like Wicca and mm-hmm. in some of the more, I guess, just it, just the more queer pagan communities, there's definitely a devaluation, almost a hostility towards mm-hmm. straight masculinity. And again, I think it comes down to that, just kind of that struggle against 
patriarchal control right. that many women and people who identify as LGBTQ right. and, and things like that, I think that's where it comes from. I know that for myself, um, having come from a patriarchal religion, mm-hmm. I do tend to be matriarchal. I right. tend to be goddess focus only. Right. I don't worship gods. I don't even really worship goddess all that much, but I work with But goddesses. when you do, it's with goddesses. When I yeah. do, it's with goddess. And I know some people would say, well, there's no balance there. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that's true. And I do know that when I began my journey in paganism 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I, it was in many ways a reactionary response to patriarchy. I right. was like, I, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that shit. You right. know? So I think that's a lot of where this is coming from. Now, is that fair? To men, mm-hmm. no. And it has taken me a long time to overcome some prejudices, some biases mm-hmm. against men. And here I am. I'm married to one. You know. <laughs> I've been the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. But I've recognized in myself that, yes, there is, in some ways, over time, I've had to deal with and let go of some some biases or some anger. Right toward men based on how I was treated as a child, as a younger woman. In uh, the church. In the church. Yeah. The, you know, Even um, in marriage, some. Yeah. There were times I used my masculinity. Yeah, your, my height, mm-hmm. your my physical gir- presence. My physical presence yeah. to mm-hmm. intimidate yeah. Gwen, and that was stupid. but <laughs> Uncool. <laughs> but, but it was kind of what was presented to me. Yeah, it was toxic know? masculinity. Right, yeah. This yeah. is yeah. toxic masculinity hurts everybody. Yes, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Including men. And... Let me be, just real quick jump in. Men's rights activists, this is not your moment to comment. You're no. not welcome here. No. <laughs> and I would say that, and the one thing I do like about paganism is that, you know, it is egalitarian, or at least it tries right. to be ag- egalitarian. It aims, I, it to, aims be egalitarian. to be egalitarian. And I think that now that both Carr and I are egalitarian mm-hmm. pagans, <laughs> that is something we still struggle, I think. With those roles right. that were assigned to us as children and as Christians and as husband and wife when we were married in the Christian church. Yeah, Christianity has a very specific position for men and relegated women, husbands to and husbands and wives. And wives. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I don't know about maybe not, maybe Carr isn't, but I know that I still struggle with, for lack of a better word, breaking that programming. Yeah. And recognizing we are equal partners Mm -hmm. in this relationship. You know, one is not greater than the other. We are partners. Right. And I think that comes, uh, you know, and so people who say, well, why don't you have a goddess and a God in your your practice? And it's like, I... Because you still got baggage. I still got baggage. Well, I think some of it's that, and I don't think at this point a God really hasn't presented themselves to you, but you've had a couple of goddesses present Mm -hmm. themselves. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a degree of, like, the gods do what the fuck they want. Right, (laughs) yep, exactly. And so I think part of it's that, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe if there was a God who was like, Hey, Hey, you're mine now. You know, there might be um, some difference. Honestly, the only God that's ever done that is Jesus, and he and I are not on speaking terms right now. (laughs) You have set his number to block. (laughs) Good thing phones allow that now. You have to get an app a lot of the times, but yeah. (laughs) 
So, well, well, since you're talking so much, we ought to do Glenn's <laughs> Garden Gems. I thought you were going to skip me tonight. <laughs> I'm usually first. Uh-huh, and then yeah. we do reviews. You kind of switched it up there. Well, if I do it the same way every time, people <laughs> uh-huh. would get bored. Right. The, it would be predictable. Right. I'm, I'm not about predictability. What I'm going to talk about is Belladonna. Atropa Belladonna is its official name. And the reason I'm talking about Belladonna today is because yesterday... At the Psychic Fair, I got a necklace that is a belladonna flower bud in um, in resin in resin to wear as an amulet. It represents working with what we term as dark goddesses, mm-hmm. but Lilith, Hecate. We got an episode coming up on that sometime. Yeah, <laughs> Morrigan, you know, Kali, the you right. know, that kind of yeah. thing. And it's good for shadow work and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Belladonna is also known as Banewort, Witch's Berry, Sorcerer's Berry, Deadly Nightshade, (laughs) Death's Herb, Devil's Cherries. If you don't get the hint, it's poison. It's a baneful. It's a baneful herb. She's a baneful lady. (laughs) She's she's a baneful bitch. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. And I say that with all the claiming. Love and respect. Love and respect. (laughs) Yeah, Belladonna is highly toxic. All parts of the plant are extremely poisonous. So if you are one of these people who is like, hell, I'm going to grow me some belladonna, do it wisely. Do all of your research. It does grow actually rather prolifically in any part of North America. Sometimes you can find wild belladonna. You can find wild belladonna. You can grow it in a pot. Mm -hmm. You can grow it in your garden. It's actually related to potatoes Mm -hmm. and and other forms of nightshade. It's very easy to grow. But if you're going to work with it... Use gloves. gloves, period. Keep it separated from any other... From the rest um, of your garden, from, from neighborhood gar- children. From your herbs, you know. Cats. Yeah, cats, pets. You know, don't grow this without complete knowledge of what you're working with. Yeah. It is used to encourage astral projection, and it does produce visions. Which is why you sometimes see it in flying ointment. You do see it occasionally in flying ointment. Um, well, you do see it in flying right. ointment. But in a traditional flying ointment. In a traditional ointment. flying ointment. And then there was, we, in another episode, we talked about... Yeah, they have non-baneful They have non-baneful, just, you know, obviously use it with caution. It's used in funerary rites to asperge the circle, and it helps the deceased let go and move forward. If you're going to use this, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to stress it again, use gloves. Yeah. For any handling, whether you're cultivating the plant or not. You do gather the berries around Samhain. Mm -hmm. That's when they're considered ripe. You store with onyx for if you're going to use it for magical purposes. And it does have medicinal use. Belladonna is to this day used in over-the-counter preparations for sedatives, for anything that is going to be... very small concentrations. Very, very small concentrations in anything that's an analgesic. I actually have uh, neuropathy in my feet, and I use uh, a preparation that includes frankincense myrrh, and it has belladonna in it. Mm -hmm. So it is used medicinally. Don't use it unless you are a qualified herbalist. Right. Qualified herbalist. And if you Um, think you're a qualified herbalist, you probably are not. Exactly. (laughs) So just be careful if you do choose to use this. There's a really great book on using baneful herbs that I got at Arts and and Craft yesterday. It's the Poisoner's Pocket Guide. There are three volumes. I got volume one. It's written by Kobe Michael Ward. Who is also where she got the necklace. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, he actually writes for patheos.com forward slash blogs forward slash poisoner's apothecary 
And just uh, read the whole Patheos blog scene, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And he has, I believe he has his own website where you can actually buy these necklaces. Yeah. Yeah. And he has packaged belladonna and mandrake and other various baneful herbs. Which is maybe easier and safer than growing it yourself. Exactly. Yes, yep. In fact, that would be my advice. If you want to work with baneful herbs, use a qualified apothecary. apothecary who knows what they're doing, packages it carefully, and then keep it separate from your other herbs. Yeah. And uh, let me just say that if you buy this book, don't think pocket size means you're going to fit it in your pocket. No. <laughs> it's not. It's a good sized little book. Yeah. yeah. It's a little booklet. It's a little yeah. booklet, but it is worth it. Kobe is a, a thorough and knowledgeable writer, and uh, you can learn a lot about using baneful herbs by studying his work. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for this episode. There's so much more that we want to talk about. Yeah. Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I found a tea that I want to talk about. Which is unusual, because Carr doesn't really drink tea. I don't, but I'm going to try this. Ooh. Ooh. So, yeah, definitely going to mm-hmm. do it. Ooh. So, here are the ingredients. Okay. Pure water. Two tablespoons of your favorite tea leaf. So, doesn't matter if it's Dijarling or Earl Grey yeah. or any of those. Two tablespoons of chamomile flowers, that's to soothe you. One tablespoon of lemon verbena, for love. Two teaspoons of rose petals, for headaches. One teaspoon of lavender flowers, for peace of mind. Two cinnamon sticks, for healing and personal protection. And honey, for your sweetheart. And also just for taste. Yes, (laughs) I like that. Yeah, it does sound very... So you add all the ingredients together, you stir lightly, you allow the tea to steep covered. And off the heat until it reaches the desired strength. It's probably about three minutes. Strain it into a teapot or strain it through a thing and serve mm-hmm. it over chilled ice if you want. Mm-hmm. Stir in the honey and boom, there you go. And that I came like from that. Genius Kitchen. This would be, yeah, this would sounds like it would actually be really nice as an iced tea. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to just remind people out there to use culinary grade. Yes. yes. Culinary Don't grade. get rose petals off like no. a florist bouquet. That's no, got no, all no, kinds no, of pesticides no. and shit on it. Yeah, do, make sure you're getting all of anything you're going to use for teas. If you're yeah. not growing yeah. it yourself organically, get yeah. it from a qualified organic grower that does Make sure it's culinary grade. Culinary grade. Those are those are different different types of flowers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I will post that on the, the blogs. Uh, the blogs today. It's actually called Pagan Tea Goddess. Mm-hmm. But since we're on this episode, it's Pagan Tea God Goddess Other. <laughs> and I'm going to term it that when I put it up on the blog. Excellent. All right. Very good. Very good. I like that. <laughs> Pagan yeah. deity tea. Pagan deity. <laughs> Pagan yeah, that's a good there call. we go. Yeah. I like that. Pagan deity. I like deity because it's a, a non gender term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. While we're here, Lorelai asked a question. Okay. This is a Gwen question, although Ode, you might be able to chime in. Do you know of a plant that is less dangerous that has similar associations of belladonna? Mugwort. Most people, yeah, they do mugwort. Yeah. That's go. that's your your general go-to. Anytime you want to substitute belladonna, you go to mugwort because yeah. it has similar properties. It's not a dangerous plant. Yeah. You can grow it in um, you know, in a pot, but you can mostly grow it as a shrub in your Yes, yard. although uh, we talked about this before, I think yeah. you have yeah, done yeah, mugwort did, before. I did do mugwort um, on, a, on a previous episode. It doesn't its roots release a toxin essentially that discourages the yeah, growth so of other it, plants. You have to plant it by itself. Yeah. Right. But uh, but you can grow mugwort pretty easily. Sometimes you'll find again wild mugwort just mm-hmm. growing because it's a weedy, resilient plant. Right. 
Um, and the great thing about mugwort is you can use it as a tea. You can use yeah. it as a smudge. You can, you know, put it in a in an incense I blend. burn mugwort all the time. Yeah. Yep. So it's very, and you can use it. In fact, the flying ointment that I received from Sabat Box mm-hmm. um, mugwort has in mugwort in it to replace belladonna. Yeah. Gotcha. So there you go. Your question has been answered. Yep, so that's we, it. Yeah, we there are a lot of things we could talk about yeah, here. So we could talk a... about queer deities. We could talk about the great right in detail. We could talk about fertility as more than just sex. Like right. there are a lot of topics we could cover here. And maybe we can in other. And, op- yeah, in and maybe episode. maybe later later we'll cover these things in more detail. But. We've gotten this question so many times it was important to just like do the damn yep. thing. Yep. Yeah, and as you you know, it's an emotional topic as as was <laughs> evidenced in just our discussion. You know, and it, I am a creature of many teeth. <laughs> yes, but the most important thing I want to stress to people is that as far as three pigs and a cat is concerned. We, you know, we want you yeah, to... Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Yeah, become a part of the pride. We And yeah. we want to be a safe space for you yeah, to and identify whoever you identify as, how who you are. Mm-hmm. We we just want to love you and, and accept you as you are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when Card says, be part of the pride, you don't have to be part of the Patreon to be part of the pride. No. no. Join us on the Facebook, in the Discord. On Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah, we yep. have... There YouTube. Are, email us. There are lots of avenues to interact with us. If you listen to this podcast... Join in. You're part of the pride. Yep. We welcome and support and uplift and uphold you. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. I saw somebody said something before that they they couldn't become a hunter, so they couldn't be part of the Discord. Oh, no. Everybody can be part of the Discord. Yeah, yeah. The only thing Hunter and Above gets is the ability to listen live yeah. as we yeah. record yeah. There is one locked server on the Discord that only hunters have access to. Everyone else has access to all the, all the other, other servers, yep. all, all the other channels on the Discord server, and there are a lot of people on there who just talk to each other all the yeah, time. They absolutely. talk about the episodes, yeah. they talk about what's going on in their lives. It's a really great community, so, so come if, join if us. If you join all would also like another channel on the Discord, mm-hmm. so say we want one specifically for spells, right. or we want yeah. one specifically for whatever, just ask, and ask Ode. Yeah. And that'll be a channel that a text channel that'll be opened up, and that that's just what gets discussed yeah, in that just text channel. Literally, so. just at owed me at Discord, and I can add any channels y'all want. And so here's the deal: the Discord is your guys. It's a mm-hmm. three pagans and a cat pride. We just right. facilitate Discord. <laughs> we just facilitate it. There are a lot of times you all answer your own questions, mm-hmm. and we never talk. Yeah. Um, which that's, we love. That's not we for lack that. of us wanting to, but oh, somebody's yeah. already answered the question <laughs> exactly. by the time we get to Frequently, it, so. I'm there watching the conversation, <laughs> but, like, my input is not needed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I want to say, you know, we want to make sure that, yes, we appreciate our patrons. Mm-hmm. We love our patrons. We thank you. You help us do what we do. Yep. But you don't have to be a patron, as Ode said, to be a part of the pride. Right. Yeah. You're, yep. you're, you're, you're automatic. You're listening. You're yeah. automatically a part of your the three partici- pages of the cat pride. Your participation is not predicated on your bank account. Yes. Right. Just so come. hang with us, so guys. Come. We We want to be, you know, we want to be a place where people can feel safe mm-hmm. to talk about their path, about their lives, and to interact with each other. Yep. yep. So wrapping up... <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat, and we, you can find us, for the most part, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So if you go to facebook.com forward slash the number three, P-A-A-C, that's three pack, you can find us there. You can also find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. We're less active there. We're way more active on Facebook. 
There's a page and a group on Facebook, so you can find mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Most people spend most of their time in the group, is my That's, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The page kind of advertises what we do, and then everybody talks on the on the group. Mm-hmm. But you have to be part of the page to get to the group. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's there's the a, there's a slight vetting process. Right, mm-hmm. yep. Where else can they find us? Oh, just go to our website. Yeah. So, threepagansandacat.com. That's the number three, pagansandacat.com, spelled out. Mm-hmm. If you all could do some magic for us... We are actually looking to include a cat as part of our family. Yeah. Uh, we have plots and plans. An so, actual cat. So hopefully by Christmas, which means the tagline will have to change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the... Because it's... Hitherto, our tagline has been, three paths, one journey, no cat. If we actually get a damn cat, we're going to have to come up with something else. <laughs> I think so, what we've been shopping is three paths, one journey, one very exasperated cat. <laughs> I think I like that one. But you can also get, besides the Patreon, which you can do to support us if you want to, mm-hmm. you can also buy Three Pagans and a Cat and some other generic artwork created mm-hmm. by Ode At Red on our Redbubble. I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the big stuff. Oh, YouTube. Oh yeah, oh, yeah YouTube. we have YouTube. So we're we're experimenting with YouTube. Uh-huh. I was going to broadcast live on YouTube from Arts and Craft, it didn't and work. it didn't, it didn't work, work because it recognized my camera yeah, on my we, laptop. We don't understand what happened there. Um, but it worked here at the house, so I did a couple of short things on Facebook. By the way, I did a, a walk around of Arts and Craft on Facebook. Yeah, so if you've never been there, yeah, mm. go look at that because the you get to see the Superstore like, of yeah. Michigan. You get to you get to see the place we're always talking about. <laughs> that's right. We're owned by our friends Pat and Paul. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's probably everything we do. Else. You can get access oh, to on the oh the Communitas Paganus magazine well, Comuni- that we're working yeah. on. Oh, yeah. We're also going to be at the witches. Oh the yeah, witches tea uh, spirits of Yule. <laughs> yeah, December fifteenth. Yes, yes. December fifteenth in, in Flint. Flint. Yeah, yeah. Flint witches tea spirits of Yule event. Sure. Quinn <laughs> and I are going to be reading there, and Car right. is going to be podcasting. Hopefully, 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 hopefully yeah. <laughs> hopefully on YouTube. Yeah, hopefully so we'll see how that works. But yeah, all the stuff we do, you can get access to through threepagansandacat.com. Yep. And then if you have any questions, email us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, we, we try to be accessible. Yeah, all three of us have individual email addresses. Yeah. So. I don't check Facebook very reliably, so if you really do want to contact me, do send me an email. And uh, I just want to say, I realize we are shit about getting things put on the blog, but we are trying to get better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to be really good about it. And then, like, I lost my we rhythm. Moved. I lost yeah. my rhythm. We lost and... the rhythm. So we're going to try to get the momentum back. Yeah. <laughs> Just be patient with us. <laughs> are, are you saying we need a rhythm of the night? No. Oh, oh my God. God. Here it goes. <laughs> oh. <sighs> now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. Thank you very much. Lionel Richie, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At least I didn't sing it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and others. And others. And others. <laughs> that is it for us for today. Yeah. We love you. Yep, we yeah, do. we do. And, we really uh, do. And do. I, I, I know that sounds like stupid and trite and like shallow, but like I thought we would do this podcast for like six months and then get bored. Yep. But you guys have been so engaged. And so encouraging. Yeah. Like, and the the conversations we're having with each other and having with you are so interesting and important. And, like, I can't imagine not doing this anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, genuinely, we love you guys. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. 
And for downloading in Mississippi. Downloading Mississippi, <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate the download from Mississippi. Pre- Mississippi, you have no goddamn If they idea. never we download you, from Mississippi. Mississippi ever again, we will still always speak of the vaunted Mississippi downloads. We will speak of Mississippi with love. <laughs> always. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com. <laughs>